2020, the year that was meant to be. A new year, a new decade, a new norm. A year that should have saw a Euros across Europe and Olympics in Japan, all ruined by one thing called COVID-19. A year that has had good and bad moments, good moments such as more awareness of the Black Lives Matter campaign with protests and the taking of the knee. British sporting success, Lewis Hamilton won his seventh Formula One title, equaling Michael Schumacher's record. Tyson Fury continued his amazing comeback by defeating Deontay Wilder. Peter Wright won his first ever Dart World Championship title and the start of the St. Martin's Radio. But 2020 has also had its bad moments, with people losing loved ones from the deadly pandemic, losing ones from other causes as well, like dementia, for example, Barbara Windsor, Missy Stenders, Nobby Stiles, 1966 World Cup winner, and of course, one of the greatest players to ever play football, Diego Maradona. Other misfortunes like Jesse Nelson leaving Little Mix, Liverpool winning the Premier League, all contribute to winning to the weird 2020. Hopefully 2021 is a year where we have normality back. The pandemic goes away. Sport and events can go ahead with fans. It'll be a year to remember. So come on 2021. Bring us hope, excitement and most importantly a safer normal world. So like the BT Sport advert said then, it's been like it's been a year like no other. But now there is end in sight, we will sing again, we will cheer again, we will roar again, and most importantly, we will meet again with the hope fans can be back next year, full capacity and cheering on their teams. This year as well we've lost some legends of football. In February we lost Harry Gregg, a Northern Irish footballer that was a legend of the game. He played for Man United. He was a survivor of the Munich air disaster in 1958. He also played for Doncaster Rovers and Stoke City and, as we said, made 25 appearances for Northern Ireland between 1954 and 1963, including the 1958 FIFA World Cup. He managed Carlisle United, Crew Alexandra, Shrewsbury Town and Swansea City, a true legend of the game. We also shockingly lost Peter Whittenham this year. A legend for Cardiff City, an Aston Villa player, Burnley, Derby County and his last team Blackburn Rovers. So we sadly lost him on the 18th of March 2020 after South Wales Police confirmed he was in hospital suffering head injuries after a result of an accidental fall in a pub in Barry Island. He later died, as we said, on the 18th of Mar- uh, 19th of March 2020, aged 35. 
This year as well, we've also lost loads of other football legends. Nobby Styles, as we said in the intro there, 1966 World Cup winner, 311 appearances for Man United, 17 goals. Also played for Middlesbrough, Preston North End, and also managed Preston North End, West Bromwich Albion, and Vancouver Whitecaps in Canada. Diego Maradona, of course, is the man that stands out on the list of people we've lost this year. A legend of the game, a World Cup winner, arguably the best player to ever grace the football pitch. Winner of the 1986 World Cup in Mexico, runner-up of the 1990 World Cup in Italy. A true legend of the game, played for Sevilla, Napoli, transformed Napoli, Barcelona, Boca Juniors, and also went into management to manage loads of other teams around the world, notably the 2008 and 2010 his national team, Argentina, a true legend of the game. Papa Diop, Senegal international. Played for Birmingham City, West Ham, Fulham, Portsmouth, among his English clubs. He made 63 appearances for Senegal, scoring 11 goals. His nickname was the Wardrobe after his career in England. As we said, he played in the Premier League for Fulham and Portsmouth and he won the 2008 FA Cup final after beating Alex's side, Cardiff City. He sadly died in November 2020, obviously this year. And recently we have lost a legendary manager, Gerard Houllier, as we said a few shows ago. A legend of the game, especially at Liverpool. He managed Paris Saint-Germain, France, Liverpool... Aston Villa was his last club as well. With France, he had success in the UEFA European Under-19 Championship in 1996 when he was held in France and Luxembourg among his career. He had a very successful career, as we said, with Liverpool, really well known, won him trophies as well. And lastly then, we lost Paolo Rossi also this month in December. Another legend of the game, won the 1982 World Cup in Spain with Italy. Played for Juventus and AC Milan, a legend of the game. All these, plus more footballers and sports, and anyone that's been lost this year will be dearly loved and missed. Let's hope 2021 is a better year. Hello and welcome to the final show of 2020 year, a year that has thrown up some brilliant football moments, um, such as Liverpool winning the Premier League, unfortunately. Um, no, I'm only joking, they did deserve it. Um, on today's special show, I'll be joined by the two pundits that have been there on the brilliant journey so far in 2020, Max Noon and Lloyd Bound. And making a return to moan about something is, of course, our brilliant EFL and senior pundit, Alex Dearsley. Um, so, Alex, since you were last on year, Man United are no longer a mockery in second. Um, you, not even you could take the mick out of them and Arsenal have been in and out of, the, of a relegation battle. But we'll talk more about Man United later. But you, are you going to apologise to me on the final show now of 2020 and say you was wrong? No, I feel not wrong. But congratulations for going into second place, I suppose. I can't, can't really uh, can't knock you at this point. You're doing quite well. All, all that abuse, Man United are a joke, all the laughing, Carly for better, it's all coming back to back you, isn't it? Yeah, it is, I'll put my hands up, yeah. that's proving me wrong. 
<laughs> oh, good to see. Um, so on today's show, then in the first half, we will be looking back at the eight midweek fixtures. Obviously, it was meant to be ten, but two games got postponed that took place this week. And as we said on last week's show, in the second half, we'll be announcing our awards for 2020. Um, we'll start off then with, obviously, as I said, this week's game on um, three o'clock on Monday, so the 28th of December. Crystal Palace drew 1-1 with Leicester. Wilfred Zaha put Palace ahead after 58 minutes and then Harvey Barnes after um, 83 minutes equalised for Leicester. Obviously, they rested Jamie Vardy as well and they missed the penalty through Kalecci, Ian Acho, I think as well. They, that was their 10th penalty in their 16th game of the season. The earliest the team has been awarded as many penalties in a Premier League campaign since Blackburn did in 1994-95 to 95 in 25 games. So, you know, we call take the mick out of Man United having loads of penalties. Leicester seem to be doing that. But um, we'll start with you, Lloyd, then. How impressive has Harvey Barnes been this season for you? Uh, he has been really good, especially as, as of recently. Uh, he, he scored a good few good goals for them. They've been very crucial goals as well. Try to get an extra point or an extra, an extra two, three points. Uh, he is a really good player for them, and he, I, I do feel he is quite underrated in that team. Like they do have the the players like Jamie Vardy, James Madison, who are the more known, more more rated players, known for known for scoring lots of goals, getting lots of assists. But I, I do think Harvey Barnes is really underrated, and I, I do think he's a really good player. Will he be in the England um, squad for the Euros? Do you think if it takes place this summer, or even the starting team? Uh, I, I think he deserves a place in the squad. Probably not the starting team, though. Just because the quality they already have in that position. Yeah, you just got to look on the highest score in English um, midfielders this year in all competitions. Ross Barkley, Curtis Jones and Joe Willock all on three. Ward Prowse, four. Madison and Foden, five. Green is six. And Harvey Barnes on um, eight. So he definitely has been a, um, a huge impact. Then the next game, another uh, two points dropped by Chelsea. They drew 1-1 with Aston Villa. Giroud put them ahead after 34 minutes. He seems to love um, scoring against Aston Villa. I think um, well, that's seven games on the trot now um, for Arsenal and Chelsea. He scored against them. And then El Ghazi continued his brilliant form in the 50th minute to get um, the point for Villa. Um, Alex, last week we said Aston Villa could get European football. Do you think they can? Well, yeah, if you look at the position at the moment, they can. But um, as I said, it's still a long way to go and it's lots of ups and downs. Obviously, they got um, Tyron Mings has been, um, you know, influential. And if they're not playing, they're going to miss him. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I'll um, I'll hold um, hold fire on that one, but, but possibly. Yeah, certainly really tight in the, um, in the Premier League at the minute. You know, anyone could be... Anyone, as we said as well, but John McGinn had a um, brilliant chance. I think he was probably a man of the match in that game. He hit the post as well that caught Edward Mendy um, sleeping. So they possibly could have um, won it at the end. Um, Lloyd, I'm going to ask you this now on, on to the transfer. One player um, you were man that you've been linked with since the summer, basically, and now Juventus has joined in is um, Douglas Luiz. As I said, Man City were obviously interested in him. I think he used to play for them as well. He's a um, 22-year-old Brazilian international. Do you think he would join um, join you or any of the two uh, the two teams, Juventus or Man City, in January? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think he'd join uh, join Man City, or Juventus, or, or even us. Like, like Aston Villa are, are in a really good run of form at the moment, but like 
in terms of size of a club, you're obviously going to prefer to join one of those. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see why any of those three clubs would really go for him now. Uh, every time I was him, it, like, uh, it, it, I, I don't think he's that good really. He, he doesn't really have much to him. He does his job and he does it well, but I don't really think it's what those clubs need. Yeah, I think you know. I suppose you're right in in that sense that um, you know he's not like the main player in that squad. Obviously, Jack Greenish is um, the main man in in the team, but you know I suppose he is a um, a good player for um, Aston Villa. And then the uh, next game that got postponed was between um, Manchester City, of course. You know, and um, Everton. And Everton. Sorry, I just just frozen then for a minute. Um, obviously, that got postponed due to an outbreak of um, coronavirus cases in the Man City squad. Um, so I think that's going to be rescheduled sometime towards the end of the season. Now, Alex, I'm going to sit back and put my feet up here because you were, um, you know, you had a big opinion on um, the way the whole coronavirus in the Premier League has come about in Man City. So we'll let you start off there. Why do you let and Max take go it first away. and then I'll, I'll take over from Max? I think he hasn't said nothing today. So let Max go first and then yeah. I will warm myself up for that rant you're going to get. All right, then. We'll, we'll, start off, we'll start off by talking about the Man City then. Um, one player, Lloyd, that we didn't get a chance to talk about Max was Ruben Diaz last week. I was supposed to mention it, but we were talking how poor they were. Um, how much of an impact do you think Ruben Diaz has had on... Um, had on the Man City defence because obviously Alex and Lloyd have said before about Man City, you know, they haven't really replaced Vincent Company and Laporte's always um, injury prone. Now they brought in Ruben Diaz, okay, he scored an own goal the other week, but he has been pretty solid in the, the Champions League and Premier League. How key is he to Man City, do you think? Well, I mean, I think he's we've seen the impact that he's had and um, especially the defence has been very solid, especially with the resurgence of John Stones as well next to him. Um, it's clear to see the the impact that he's had on the defence, and I think just the general confidence that the defence has, because really that's what they they're relying on. They've kept a lot of clean sheets, and they've relied on that to get them points, as opposed to their attack that has been so good. So I really think that Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz has proven to be very valuable. But um, I still don't know if he's necessarily the company replacement, because Company was obviously the captain and he was a vocal leader in the dressing room. But we, I mean, I don't know if that's the, the case for Ruben Diaz, but um, he could prove to be in the long term. Yeah, obviously they brought him in for, what, £60 million, and then they let off Mendy go to Benfica for £15 million. Do you think he's living up to his price tag of £60 million? It's difficult to say so early on, but, um, I mean, for a young player, and if he continues this level of form for a long period of time, then I'd definitely say it's worth it, yeah. yeah I think he has been um, a key key player in the squad. Um, and Yao Cancelo, another player that's been um, really key, not only in... Um, the fantasy, but I think he has been a lot um, under talk. Lloyd, how impressed have you been um, on Yao Cancelo since he joined from Juventus what, a few seasons ago? Uh, I think I think as of recently, he's done really well. I know he he hasn't really had much game time, and, apart from the past few weeks. But he, he's done really good since he's given the side. Uh, he's really good at attacking-wise. He, he creates a lot of chances, which is something that well, you, you can't really get enough of creating chances. He's a good addition to have in that city side. I definitely rate him higher than a than any of the left backs and any of the right backs. I do think he does deserve a place in the squad. Uh, he is really good defensively then as well. I, I, I think he's a really good player. 
And um, obviously we said Ruben Diaz and Yao Cancelo and um, obviously they're two regular starters. Compared to other seasons where Man City have tended to rotate, they put, for example, Laporte in, I think Eric Garcia when he's um, when he's in the squad and, and fit, ready to go, they've tended to rotate. You know, now they've got consistency in starting Yao Cancelo and Ruben Diaz. Do you reckon that'll help Man City going forward? Now they've got the consistency of at least two of their defenders and probably Kyle Walker as well. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it will probably help them. I do know Pep likes to rotate his team a lot, though. But I do think he probably will probably will get a place in the team a lot more than he has. Yeah, I think it is probably key. Um, and on, on to the next point, as we said then, that the Man City game got postponed. You were very critical, Alex. So Very critical. I, 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 I despise Man City. I absolutely despise them. The way they play football has to be the most boring, pointless thing I've seen in the Premiership for years. That game against Newcastle, you got that clown Guardiola moaning, oh, we got to play an extra game, this, that and the other. I've had enough of Man City. They're a disgrace. They're the most corrupt club I think I've ever come across. Oh, you know, the problems they have with this money, that just disappeared. They then got to call the game off because Jesus and Walker have had positive tests, which is not great. But how have they got the positive test? Have they broken the bubble, broken the rule? And well, then well, the following morning, no one tests positive again. So I'm a bit confused of well, why everyone loves Man City. I despise them and I hope they get smashed in everything. As long as Man United don't win the league, obviously. I think I'd rather Liverpool win the league than Man City. And I never thought I'd say that. Man City have really, really got under my skin the last couple of games I've watched them. They moan, they moan, they pass the ball back and forth, back and forth. It's just the most pointless football. Kevin De Bruyne, most overrated player I think I've ever seen in the Premiership history. I just don't get it. I, 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 perhaps it's just modern football, but they, they, I, Man City, no, they're gone. I, any, I hope anyone wins it other than Man City. Um, on one of your points, now you know how I, how I felt the past few seasons about Man City in the 16 years of my life. And... Hopefully, neither Liverpool or Man City win it. But you go on the point, where did they catch you from? There was um, a lot of reports this week when they played Arsenal in London. What in, was it last Wednesday? Was Lloyd in the Carabao Cup? When, yeah. Tuesday, wasn't it? Tuesday. Um, there was a lot of reports because obviously London, I think they're in tier four now. And they've had a lot of um, rising cases. And obviously, I think they stayed in a... They're not blaming it on Arsenal or whoever. I think they stayed at a hotel that they possibly could sing. And obviously, you said Jay, Gabriel Jesus and um, Carl Walker tested positive on um, Christmas Eve. But one big question, and this is a big suggestion, this goes for probably all, all the games. Obviously, we want to see the all the games played. But in rugby, for example, I know it's different. Last year, and they have been doing it this year, if a team's withdrawn, They've given 20 nil, and I think they did it in the UEFA Nations League this year, um, a 3 nil or 20 nil to the team that um, obviously had to withdraw to the opposition. So, for example, Everton would get a 3 nil, And it was the same in the FA Cup when Tottenham beat Leighton Orient. Now, I thought we could possibly get a bye against Man City in the semi-final, but I think they said he goes up to the fourth round, which is fair enough. But do you think the game... Sh- the game's right to be replayed, Alex, or should Everton have got that free now? In my opinion, I'm not saying Everton. I think they should have been awarded the win because they'd done. Not saying Man City have done anything wrong. I'm not. You know, I'm not. But what I'm saying is, it's not Everton's fault. They were prepared to play. Now they go ahead. Now what I found really strange was Fulham had two 
uh, tests and they played their game. So I'm a bit confused by all this coronavirus um, or, you know, rules and regulations. But it does seem to me the top clubs yet again get treated favourably. If that had happened to possibly a middle of club or someone down the bottom, what happens then? It, it, it just seems a bit... I, I don't understand why you can't award a 2-0 win. It's, it's frustrating, but everyone's in the same boat. It's not as if they're making it up. We all know coronavirus is real. So, yeah, for me, rather than moaning about the, the, the congestion that they're going to get at the end of the season, wouldn't it be just be better to award, you know, Everton a, a 2-0 win? I, I'm not sure. Um, Max, do you think that Obviously, the game got postponed. What two hours? We'll talk more about something later. But two hours for kickoff. There was two thousand fans uh, meant to be at Goodison Park. You think they were wrong in doing it two hours before? Because obviously, you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, will these coronavirus tests take a while?" But like Alex said, surely they would have known in the morning and probably early afternoon who was available. So do you think that the Premier League could be a bit criticised here, like like Everton said that? They wanted clarification. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's a lot. Um, I mean, you can't really be doing that. It's, just, it's letting down the fans, really, if anything, most importantly. Um, you have to have a little bit more organisation as, a, as a, you know, a company like the Premier League. They need to... I mean, it may be more difficult than we, than we understand it, but um, definitely there is a better way to do it and probably just in increasing the communication. It goes out to the fans uh, and what is actually going on specifically. I think that's probably the first step really so we'll see it's disappointing for there but in, in terms of Everton then um, back to you Alex they, they said that they um, wanted clarification on why it was postponed and the Premier League said it was a, a agreed party um, obviously all three parties agreed to it Everton, Man City and, and the Premier League according to it when do you think this fixture will be played now because you, you have a look Obviously, today they've rearranged their game against Aston Villa for the double game week, which I think is in two weeks' time. And then you would think they always tend to have easy draws, man. So, yeah, I think they got Bruce Chamonix and Gladbach. OK, they lost to Leon what last year, but you would expect them to beat Monch and Gladbach. And then you would expect them to progress in the FA Cup and possibly beat us in the League Cup. What Do you think that Pep's got a, a point that it's gonna be it's going to be tight? No, no, he hasn't got no point. I, mean, I wish he'd just go back to Spanish football, you know, with the Mickey Mack league, because, no, he's got no point whatsoever. At the end of the day, these football players, honestly, I like to say, you know, thanks to the teachers, like, you know, Mr Lopez, he's had to change what job he does to keep children safe. Nurses, you know, all people, perhaps, who don't see anyone from one week to the next because of this coronavirus, they might look forward to a game at the weekend watching football. It's an escapism for everybody. And you get people like Pep and... Um, clock moaning about it. It's an absolute disgrace. They, they, they're professional football players. These are athletes. These are modern day athletes who, who are moaning because they got to play two or three games a week. I just, what, what do you go? Do you know what I would do? I'd stop the Premiership football. Say, right, go and clean all the COVID wards. Get out and help these key line workers. Go and help these teachers keeping kids safe. But they don't. All they're concerned about is their own self. And it's, they've got no respect for anyone other than themselves. It's it's an absolute disgrace the way Pep and Klopp, they should be banned, the both of them, just for talking about this fixture pileup. It's, it's really annoying me, as you might pick up on my uh, <laughs> on my rants. I'm really annoyed about the whole modern football. Honestly, Sam Allardyce, he wants a two-week break. He's only come into the job five days ago and he doesn't even wear his mask properly. He wears it on his chin, not his nose. You know, it's, it's football. It, oh, it drives me up the wall, modern football. It drives me up the wall. 
that that was my next point to you, Lloyd. Do you think that the Premier League, obviously Sheffield United, okay, they played their game the other day, but they're starting to have an outbreak in their squad. Fulham did yesterday. Um, obviously, Man City had on on what was it Tuesday? Um, and yeah, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, Tuesday when they were supposed to play their game, and then um, obviously, as Alex said, they they had a few um, tests the day after and. A lot of the players were fine. So, do you think the Premier League, maybe as much as we want to see it continue, should maybe go health first and take a break for two weeks? Uh, I definitely think they should, but I, I really don't think they will. Uh, I know that the Athletic reported that uh, it's a worst case scenario doing like a circuit break, and that yeah. they're looking at that option yet. And they like they understandably don't really want him. Like if you look at the whole schedule, like you said, City and like other big teams has played the Champions League, like there's still like, Europa League games, there's FA Cup games, there's League Cup games, and then there's the Euros, which are meant to be happening in June 2021. Mm-hmm. So all of those need to be wrapped up by May, really. And at the moment, like. Like, there's a lot of fixed congestion already. But you had a two-week break, then you have the international break, and then you have to, like, reschedule all the other fixtures. And, like, it would be very tight. So I I think I think if it's needed, we should, do a, we should do a break now. But if the games can still carry on to a decent extent, then I, I don't think it should happen. But if, if there are too many positives and everything, then I definitely think we need to have a break. But obviously the Premier League has been, um, you know, as we said, it's crazy seasonal already. And as Alex said, a lot of people um, during the lockdown and especially in June looked forward to a, a half-five game or eight o'clock game to, to get them through it. But Max, obviously Big Sam said, what, he's 66 now, which is, uh, I didn't, didn't realise that. Um, and he said, that he was, you know, he was quite worried about it because of his age. And if you compare it to like footballers, for example, Mason Greenwood or Mar- Martinelli, who are about what nineteen twenty, they're most likely to get through it with with flying colours. Okay, Saint Maximin of Newcastle hasn't. He's still suffering the long term effects. But well, what would you say to Sam Allardyce then? If, if we're not going to shut down football for for a bit, should maybe Sam Allardyce work from home? I mean, sadly, that's not really an option, really. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, something similar with David Moyes when he actually had COVID yeah. and it was entrusted to the to the assistant coach. But um, it isn't really an option. You won't really get the same reaction to the players and especially, you know, coach like Sam Allardyce, I'm sure he, he you know, wants to uh, work with the, the players, you know, as close as possible because that's the kind of manager he is. He wants to command the players. So really, it's a difficult scenario because... I mean, all these institutions need the football to be played, but then it's kind of against the well-being of those involved. So it's, it is a difficult scenario, but I definitely wouldn't say working from home is a good substitute just because it isn't really going to allow the, the same uh, kind of the same kind of scenario that these people want. And um, I'd also probably say that um, it, it is a decision to be made, and I'm sure there is the option for you know people like... The older managers especially, they can work from home uh, or they can, you know, work over Zoom in the changing room or in the dressing room to, to, to tell the players what to do. But it isn't really going to, to work, I, I don't think, um, in the same way that they want it, want it to. But yeah, again, it is it is a decision for them to make, really. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Scott Parker did it on the weekend, Boxing yeah. Day games, didn't he? And I think um, Samantha Mandy Ralph did it, didn't he, um, this week as well, because 
someone in his household, I think, either tested positive or, or came in contact as well. So I think it will be interesting. But as you said, it probably links in um, with Tottenham. Well, and we'll talk a bit about Tottenham later. But um, on Wednesday, then, there were games that um, took place. All the fixtures actually took place on um, Wednesday, luckily, to get us through it. Um, one of them was involving your team, Lloyd Arsenal, winning away at Brighton 1-0. Um, pretty much a, a scrappy game. Brighton, I was shocked by their lineup. really. There was a, a cup team, basically, that they dropped. Who did they drop? Neon Morpé, Danny Welbeck, Trossard, Aaron Connolly, Ben White. Um, I think McAllister played. Um, Johan Bash as well. Veltman. Players you don't really... Um, think see like week in week out in the Brighton squad. Do you th- were you surprised by the the Brighton team? Uh, I, I was quite surprised. I I knew they were going to rotate them because it was very quick succession in the games. But I I, I didn't really expect them to rotate that much. Like you had to look at the lineup and you did think, is this a cap lineup? If they put the <laughs> wrong team, uh, and like I I think if they did put out their proper lineup, we would have struggled quite a lot. So, you know, for Arsenal then, obviously, I think, what did Lacazette come on after, um, what was it, he'd come on and then he literally just scored as soon as he come on. But for you, Max, was, was it a deserved victory for Arsenal, do you think? Well, I think it was, it was, it was relatively close, but I think they put a convinced second-half performance. Um, I think that it does justify a win, but I think maybe Brighton could have perhaps won and I would also... Well, that was deserved. It, it was a close game, but I wouldn't say um, it's an undeserved victory for Arsenal. Yeah, and um, Alex, as we said, since you were last on there, Arsenal have been um, in and then they're probably out of a relegation battle now. Where do you think a good finish for Arsenal is this season based on what you've seen recently? It is difficult with Arsenal because they they have got some quality, but I think it's just consistency, I suppose. The, the way they played against Chelsea, I was really impressed. I honestly thought they looked quite strong all over the, the field, to be honest. And we all know that if they can get a Bamiyang firing again, which I, I really don't know what's happened to him, whether if he's been carrying an injury or he's not fit. But if they can get him firing again, they they should be fine. And they should probably probably make a berth to the top six, I'm assuming, towards the end, if if all their players stay fit. And he, he can get a Bamiyang firing because, you know, they, it's, it's a strange one with Arsenal because some days they look, they look really good. It's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I said um, a few weeks ago that Brighton will go down. Obviously, um, Graham Potter's rotated a lot and Brighton fans have gone on social media and criticised that. Was he a manager? Obviously, you've criticised it before, people moaning, but maybe not for Brighton. is a bit of a, a not the best comparison to make because they left out probably their three best strikers. But, for example, I think Arsenal started Pablo Mari the other day. We'll ask Lloyd about that in a bit. Um, on, you know, he started, they brought in Smith Rose, done well the past two games, Mart- Martinelli's come back. Do you think that because these games are so tight together that um, if they're the right replacements, it's okay to rotate in these Premier League games? Yeah, 100%. And, and this is what another thing that sort of annoys me a little bit. You know, you, you've got a big squad of players there. You know, I'm sorry, if you're not good enough to be in that squad, you don't play in the Premier League. Now, fair play to Brighton. 
I think they made the wrong decision because I think they could have gone at Arsenal and possibly picked up three points, which could yeah. be vital to them towards the end of the season. For Arsenal, I, I do believe they're too good to go down. And I think they, they'd be yeah. nowhere near going down. So it's not really going to affect them. But for them, Arsenal were wobbling a little bit. I think they could have got those three points and possibly rested other players. But I suppose that's, you know, you've got a full squad and good luck to him. And but for me, I think I would have played my my full squad and tried to perhaps rest, get three points in the bag. But it's easy to say because they've picked up injuries and you know what I mean. So I do I do get it. And and this is another thing. If Brighton can do it, what, you know. Now bear in mind, Brighton's squad is nowhere near the squad of Man City or Liverpool. Nowhere near. We all know that. But they can do it without moaning. But Man City, like you said, how much they spend on that defender? You say sixty million, sixty. I don't know how much yeah. you said. 60. And they're moaning they haven't got enough players. I, I see that, and that's what that's what that's what winds me up. It, it really does. Um, Max, one final one on Brighton. Now, um, he's been really good the past two seasons, and he he was good for Australia in the World Cup. Matty Ryan, they brought him from Valencia, and he did very well. Um, he's not a starting keeper now. I think is Robert Sanchez is starting to um play now, and I think Jason Steele was their goalkeeper on the bench. Is Matty Ryan likely to, or Matthew Ryan likely to leave in January now? And what, what's gone wrong for him at Brighton, do you think? Well, I'm not too familiar with this scenario, but obviously, you know, a player like him who's, who's good enough to, to start in the Premier League, we've seen in the last couple of seasons, um, obviously being surpassed. I think the first time he got dropped, I think he was in a, a, a bad patch of form. And I, I think the first time he was dropped was against actually Spurs um, earlier on in the season. And um, yeah, the backup keeper, I think. Is, is kind of pounced on the on the opportunity and taking it, but um, there's no doubt that he's quality enough to uh, get a move away and try to prove himself out, out, elsewhere. I think he's good enough to do that. Yeah, so for, for Arsenal, it's a, a really good victory. The next game then, Burnley beat Sheffield United 1-0. Ben Mee scored in the 32nd minute to get a crucial three points for Burnley. Southampton drew 0-0 with West Ham. And then uh, Leeds, well, you know, probably one of the most entertaining sides in the, the Premier League. They won away at West Brom 5-0. It all went wrong for West Brom, really, after from the first 10 minutes. Sawyer scored an own goal. Um, probably one of the worst and comical own goals you'll ever see in football. Um, and then Alioski scored in the 31st minute. Jack Harrison, brilliant strike in the 36th minute. And then Rodrigo in the 40th. And then Rafina Raptor in the 72nd minute. Um, Rafina, I think, has been a brilliant signing for um, Leeds so far. So it's another um, brilliant performance from Leeds. Are they the most entertaining side in the, the Premier League, would you say, Matt? Well, I mean, when you're watching those guaranteed goals, there's no doubt about that. I mean, apart from they've had a couple of nil-nils, but you know, they've, they've, they're likely to concede as well as uh, score quite a few. And um, I'd say they're definitely up there. There are quite a lot of teams who have kind of Maybe been a bit boring. I think maybe that Aston Villa as well. I think are quite a good attacking team. Um, yeah, I definitely say Leeds are, are up there. They're very attacking and they're very exciting in the way they play. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to look at their results: a four-three loss against Liverpool, then four-three win, three-nil win, four-one loss twice, three-one loss, five-two win, lost to us six-two, and then a, a five-nil win. So there's always um, entertainment for Leeds, but for them, I think they just just go outside the top 10 now from about 15 to that's how close it was and then there was the 8 o'clock game the final game involving my team Man United we beat Wolves 1-0 um, we had our chances really Bruno Fernandes had his chances Rashford had a few chances well, I think Bruno had a brilliant chance in the 34th minute and then C.A.S. Um, had probably a better chance in the 39th minute but it was a brilliant save from 
Um, De Gea, I, I'm not going to say it, Alex, because I've said it the past few weeks. I'm taking it one game at a time, so you're not going to get any answer out of me on, on this question. But are we in a title race? Yeah, I think the way the Premiership is is is, is shaping out, I think, yeah, there's you and probably six or seven others at the, at the moment, realistically. And i got to say about Man United, they, they have got a bit of their swagger back which they had, obviously, in the 90s, early 2000s. They have got a bit of swagger back. I don't know if people are enjoying playing. Pogba seems a lot happier. Van der Beek seems relatively happy on the bench coming on. Martial was smiling when he came on. So, yeah, I think if you can keep players fit, I I, I think, yeah, you're possibly in with a chance. Um, are you because are you, are you of Liverpool or Man City? Probably not. Even Spurs, I would say, are probably a little bit ahead of you. But, yeah, I think on the whole, you've definitely got a chance. Now, obviously, you know, it's a crazy season. Okay, we're a bit lucky against Wolves with that um, deflection. But, obviously, I think we got Aston Villa on, on Friday. As I said, I'm taking one game at a time. I'm not looking ahead to the Liverpool game or any any of the others. I suppose you have got to take it um, one game at a time. But for you, Max, looking forward, if we can beat Aston Villa and possibly get a draw against Liverpool or even a win... Are we favourites, or is it a two-horse title race? Would you say? If you if you can do what you just said, it's probably two-horse title race because I don't necessarily think any of the uh, clubs are uh, around the the, the the title race are capable of beating Liverpool. But as soon as um, the key players for Liverpool are fit again, obviously the Van Dijk, I'm not sure if he's going to be fit this season, but you know, as soon as like players like Thiago come back into the team, you know, maybe the Matip obviously just picked up an injury. As soon as he comes back, I think. They're uh, comfortably the favourites, and I think they'll be guaranteed the title then. Because I think obviously you're keeping up now with the injuries that they have, but yeah. But as soon as the players that they that they be kind of missing are, are back, then I think they're, they're definitely the favourites again. Yeah, but I think you know we're on the way out. Um, but you know, anything could happen. It's a, it's a crazy season. I'm, you're not going to get an answer at me whether we're going to. We're even in the title race or where they were going to win it. I'm not going to comment on that situation at the minute. Um, but as you said, then it was supposed to be two games on Wednesday. There was instead one Tottenham beat Fulham got postponed again, as we said. Um, a game that got postponed, what, three hours before kickoff. And I think Jose was really frustrated, as probably see on his um, Instagram post as well, that he couldn't believe what was, what was happening with you. <laughs> going back onto the point then obviously the Premier League have been really slow and Jose said that it's the best league in the world but basically said that it was a bit of a stupid the way it took like what three hours before kickoff to the side do you think that the Premier League needs to maybe change its protocols a bit stricter do you think in terms of announcing when the games are going to be played Matt? Yeah they need to make the call earlier I think obviously in this scenario the players were kind of waiting around uh, for a while, which isn't—I mean, isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. But I mean, in terms of you know these players who probably you know they need to be doing something else as opposed to just sitting around waiting. It isn't necessarily a very, a very professional thing from a obviously a multi-million billion-pound you know corporation like the Premier League. They need to be making the call maybe the night before, so they don't have to deal with with these with these things, these professionals, and having their time being waste, wasted. Yeah, I'm going to quickly go, we'll talk a bit about Tottenham's real chance rumours now, but um, just news coming in now about Edison Cavani. He's got a free match ban, as we said a few weeks ago. We made um, comments on, on social media and the FA have decided to, to give him a free match ban. 
Um, been a lot of talk this week. He wants to extend his deal behind the summer, which would obviously be probably a two-year deal um, as well. He had almost scored the other day, but he was offside. Um, we should have actually had a penalty, um, Cavani, that it was a Cody handball. Would, first of all, um, Alex, is, would Cavani be a good extension if we could sign him for what, another year or two years? Yeah, I think to come off the bench, um, it, it gives you a bit more variety, doesn't it, with... I don't know. Is Ingalo still there? Because he hasn't. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it does. I think he's pretty much deals up now. I think it ends on uh, right. New Year's Eve today, so it's probably midnight tonight, for example. So if he goes back, but at least you've got you've got your Gafan, you've got your Marshalls, Greenwoods, um, Rashford. You've got quite a quite a sort of um, good core strikers there. So it's if you can keep them all fit, um, I think Cavani would be yeah, he would be a good signing definitely. He's done well. I've liked what I've seen of him so far. I got to admit. Uh, and Ali's on to the next question. How much of a miss is he going to be for these three games now against what Villa, um, Liverpool, and Burnley? Uh, I thought. Did you say is it three Premier League games? It doesn't include three. the FA Cup game, does it? I think it's three Premier League games. I might, might be right. Anyway, it's definitely um, Villa and Liverpool are the um, teams he he will miss. Obviously, he might not miss Burnley because we got Watford in the FA Cup. Yeah. I'm not sure. um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a miss, but I think you've still got enough if you can keep the rest of your players fit to, to you know, you've got Marshall, the player up there, you've got Rashford, Greenwood, um, you've got, no, you've got a place, but I don't think it's going to be a massive miss for three games, not not really. Um, but obviously, we, he said that he made them comments um, on social media, but that incident was a few weeks ago. Do you think the FA should have reacted quick enough instead of leaving it to, to now, what, three weeks on from the incident, and we have... Three crucial games coming up when we're without a top striker. Could the FA have reacted quick enough to ban him? Because he was probably most likely going to get a ban. You know, all the rumours and everyone was expecting a ban. It's not a shock, really. But do you think the FA could have moved a bit quicker and brought the ban in place earlier and made the decision instead of waiting until now when we've probably got the biggest game of our season coming up in two weeks? Yeah, I think definitely. Because I think... Obviously, I don't know what was said and what wasn't said, but it was obviously had racist undertones and everyone, he couldn't even deny the fact. So, yeah, I don't understand why it's taken so long to come up with a decision. You know, he's got to be educated and he's got to be sent on courses, you know, not to say these things. But, yeah, it seemed cut and dry for me because I'm assuming they had evidence right in front of him. So, I don't know what took them so long. And perhaps they were filling their Christmas boots, I'm not sure. But it did take them a while to come up with that decision, which does seem a bit strange. Yeah, as you said, brilliant performance from um, us together as well, really. Uh, OK, we were a bit lucky, but um, you sometimes need luck to get a free point. We've gone back to Tottenham there, Max. Um, one player you've been linked with um, this week is Martin Darun from Atalanta. Um, he's been linked with Man City as well, but that, you know, I don't think that's really reliable in Barcelona. So I think Tottenham are the favourites. A lot of newspapers have been saying that. Um, first of all, obviously, as our Italian football expert, um, what can you tell us about Darun? And then, second of all, is he a good? Would he be a good fit for Tottenham? Yeah, well, he plays for an Atlanta side who who have obviously been very good the last couple of seasons. Um, did very well in the you know the Champions League last year and the league last year. And um, whether he's going to come to Spurs, whether he'd be a good fit, I don't know if he's. I think basically what what we're looking for is a backup uh, centre defensive midfielder. And um, I'm not necessarily sure if Darun would fit quite uh, what we're looking for. I think he does want a backup uh, midfielder. I think he he would do a good job, but I think they're more interested in somebody who's able to 
uh, offer maybe a little bit more of a, a, a diverse range of roles in the midfield. And I think he's more likely to see, um, we've, I've seen more strong links uh, linked to Sabitza, uh, someone who's able to kind of play in a defensive combative role, but is also mainly just uh, to kind of attack as well. But um, in terms of, a def- uh, you know, maybe a backup player, I think he would be quite good. I'm just worrying whether uh, Darun would just be too expensive for what he would be used for. Um, as you said there, well, one player that obviously was a big sign-in in the summer, um, Gareth Bale, he's out injured now. Um, I don't know how long he's out for. I think it's a few weeks, Jose said, because of a calf strain. Um, why isn't he getting the game time that a lot of people said when he come in the summer that it could be a, a lot of people said it could be a really good front three of Song, Kane and Bale. Why do you think he's not getting the game time? I think sharpness is one thing and I think injuries is the other thing. Um, lots of it hasn't really been spoken about too in, in depth, but he has you know suffered with you know quite a lot of injuries uh, after coming back. And obviously when he's played his sharpness, his match sharpness, there's also been something that's come into question. And um, I think it's, it's for those reasons, uh, really, that, that's about it. But um, I, I know I, when he when he came in, I think I didn't necessarily expect you know to see him straight away. Obviously, he came in with an injury uh, that set him back a few games. And um, I mean, I'm not sure. I think if you're thinking he'd be a you know a starter, you know, straight away, you you're being maybe a bit too optimistic. But um, I know I think it's obviously unfortunate that he's faced injury issues. Uh, but I think. You know, if if he continues to work and maybe extends the loan, I think he could definitely find a a starting position uh, or at least a more prominent position than he has so far. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see when he comes back from injury if he gets um, more game time. And then the final game of 2020, the 336th Premier League game um, this year was between Newcastle and Liverpool. It finished 0-0, brilliant result for um, Newcastle and any other Premier League fan as well. Um, Salah and Firmino had brilliant chances in the first half as well and then the 79th minute Alisson made a, a brilliant save from a, a Kieran Clark header um, Marnie missed sitter on the line which he was literally virtually on the goal line but it was a brilliant clearance from um, Fabian Shea but I think it was a brilliant performance from Carl Darlow Lloyd um, returning with us um, Newcastle deserved points maybe three points you think uh, I wouldn't say three points, but they, they definitely saved one point for that. It's a great defensive form, and they still actually created quite a lot quite a lot of attacks as well. They looked really good. I think Callum Wilson in the summer was an amazing sign-in. He's exactly what they needed. Like They got this Premier League proven goal scorer, but you can also link play together really well. He's really good in transition and attacks. And it, it, he's just he, he was a really smart sign-in, and he's performed really well for them. And I think... They have looked a lot better with him as well. They definitely deserve the point against a Liverpool team, which were struggling to break him down, really. So I think, you know, Steve Bruce, um, brilliant job. Obviously, we said a few weeks ago that um, he could come under a bit of criticism for his um, job. But is it is it worrying that Liverpool um, now have failed to beat four of the bottom six compared to last season when they were demolishing these type of teams? Do you think it's worrying, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's worrying. For any title win inside, you you need to go into every game with well, the confidence that you're actually going to... Well, I, I think that might be what Liverpool actually do too much of. They always go they go into games going, yeah, we're going to score this game. So then when they miss chances, like the, the Mane chance, the Salah chance, the Firmino chance, uh, they, they, think, they think nothing of it. They think, yeah, we are going to score again. 
Uh, but they need to go into these games like 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 the Delasian Steam Rodham scored three goals past them. But they just haven't really done that this season. They jump they haven't been able to break them down at all. They haven't really been able to put goals past really. And I, I think I think they really need to try to because if they are gonna win the title, it's something they really need to start doing. Yeah, before we read out the table and the fixtures, we didn't get a chance to talk to you about um, Arsenal. And so quickly, um, today has um, been announced that one of your players is going to, I think, Schalke, Schalke on loan in, in the Bundesliga. Can you tell us more? Uh, yeah, Sayad Kolozanac is going back to Schalke on loan come January. He has a year and a half left in his contract. I think he's going on a sixth month loan. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the other goes goes for free then or just for a few million then after his loan is up uh it, well it, it it's a good it's a good sign for Arsenal because we're getting rid of our deadwood he's on 120,000 a week which is way too much for backup left back so it's a nice bit of wage off the books uh it's also a really good sign though we're doing doing our business really early because it is obviously the January window so it is really short and we do have a lot to do really like we do need to we need to add a bit more depth in the goalkeeper region. We might need to add another centre back because Rob Holden needs a needs an upgrade really. Uh, we might need, we need to like a creative play still, and then you have someone like Lacazette whose contract is also up next year. So we have a lot to do, but I think it's a really good sign for getting stuff done already. Yeah, and um, I think this week, um, according to the Athletic and many other reports. You're um, interested in signing a 20-year-old um, Spanish international from Barcelona. Who's that? What a... What, Ricky Pooch? Yeah, the one. Um, yeah, he, he does look a quite a good player. Like like you said, he is, he is quite young. But like he's quite raw at the moment. Like He has, he's, he has an insane skill set. Like... Like he's really good. He moves the ball really well. He's great at dribbling, great at progressing the ball. He's a really good player. But I, I don't really think it's what we need at the moment. Like like in in a few years he will be. But I think he's too raw as a player. I think he needs to refine this game a bit more. And he's really short as well. Uh, I know everyone says about the, like the physicality of the prayer that's a lot harder. And I, I, I don't normally believe that. And I think I think it is a bit over exaggerated. But I'm not really sure how someone like him would actually fit in in a prayer. Uh, I, I think I think when you do need more proven quality and maybe someone with a bit more experience than him. But he is still a really talented youngster. Um, one player at Arsenal and Wolves have been linked with is Diego Costa, who obviously ended his um, Atletico Madrid contact, um, contract early. Um, what, has he scored two goals this season. Um, he's made only three appearances, all as substitutes since mid-October. Um, obviously, he does have a, a good history in the Premier League because he won two Premier League titles in um, three seasons with um, Chelsea, 59 goals in 120 games. Um, would you be a good signing starting off with you, Lloyd, for Arsenal? Uh, no, it'd be absolutely horrific. It's a, it'd be a horrible signing. We don't need him. He's way past his prime. It, well, he's like, prime isn't even a word. He's way past a footballing level. Like, he's not good enough at all. He's way too old. He's on way too big wages, and it's a position we don't need. It makes sense for no reason at all. I really hope it is just agent talk. Uh, if if we do make the move, I'll I'll be very surprised. I, there's zero point in it. And I, I just really hope we don't make it. Would it be a good move for Wolves, Alex? Oh, 
I sort of with Lloyd on this one. I, I, I don't know. He's, he is a decent player, but he's not the type of player to, to stick around and show a bit of patience, is he? So if he doesn't go his then, way, he throws his toys out the pram. So, yeah, I think I'm with then, Lloyd on this one. I, 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 would, I would avoid him if you could. But maybe, if, obviously, Raul Jimenez, this still hasn't been given a date on when he can return. Obviously, he was at um, Molyneux the other day, which is brilliant to see. So maybe would he be a good backup striker for Wolves? Yeah, possibly. As I'm not saying he is, but he, he's one of these people you've got to keep um, you've got to keep happy all the time. And it's, it's he, I think he's a bit of a you know I'm not not doubting his ability, but he's a bit of a prima donna. But I think for Wolves, yeah, depending on how much they they have to pay his wages, he, he might be worth a gamble. They've got nothing to lose, really, have they? No. Um, and to finish up on Arsenal, then obviously you've had a few um, positive COVID tests as well. Gabriel tested positive for COVID-19. I think William's ill, but that's not COVID. Um, and then, obviously, as I said, David Luiz as well is out. And Gabriel tested positive. So how much of a miss are they going to be for the next few games, Lloyd? Uh, Gabriel is a huge miss. Like, huge miss. He's, he's probably been a... He's definitely in the top two forms of the season, along with Bakayo Saka. And he's been amazing in our defence. And he's looked so good since we signed him. So he's a huge loss. But then Willian and Louise. Um, I, I do hope they get well soon. But I think I think it's good, like especially in the case of Willian, that they're only in the squad. Because <laughs> it gives it gives chances to the players like like Emil Smith Rome in the case of Willian being out. And like if you compare the two of how they played, Willian has looked terrible. He showed no passion for well funny enough, he's been like six years at Chelsea. Like he showed no passion, showed no want to win and then you put someone like Emil Smith Rowe in the club who's came to our academy since really young and he's played miles better and he's actually shown that passion yeah I think I, I said too I think um, obviously last year Alex you would have seen a lot of him at, at Huddersfield as well with obviously Cardiff in the, in the championship as well I think he come back in the summer as you said he's played a lot for you under 23s and like the the FL Trophy and, and so what, and obviously come in the other day against Chelsea, which is a, a big arse just being thrown into the deep end, effectively, in a, a big London derby must win, and he has performed um, really well, I've got to give you that. And I think one player that's really impressed me, and um, you've said it before, and you know before his injury, he did look good when he played in Europa League, but I think if you keep him fit, you 100% have to start him. I think uh, Martinelli as well, I mean, what a player. I think one of the best youngsters in the Premier League, and I think you know if you keep him fit, and as Alex said earlier, keep Aubameyang, um, you know, scoring more goals, maybe Lacazette off the bench as well, and then you've got Saka playing really well, Smith Rose playing really well, and Martinelli playing really well. I think you have got a um, really promising side going forward. But as we said, we said Arsenal were promising after you beat us, and then he went a bit downhill. So. Um, you have to wait and see with um, Arsenal but that's all the Premier League for 2020 then to the table um, at uh, the end of 2020 Liverpool top on 33 after 16 games we've closed the gap now to three points in second after 15 games we're on 30 and then Leicester in third 16 games 29 Everton in fourth 15 games 29 Aston Villa fifth 14 games 26 then Chelsea 26 off 16 games, Tottenham 26 off 15 games, Man City in 8th after 14 games, 26 points, Southampton in 9th after 16 games, 26 points, West Ham 23, Leeds 23, 
Wolves 21, Arsenal 20 all after 16, Newcastle in 14th after 15 games on 19, then Palace after 16 games on 19, Burnley after 15 games on 16, Brighton after 16 games on 13, then the relegation zone, Fulham are in it on 11 after 15 games, and then West Brom on 8, and Sheffield United on 2, both after 60 games. So surely Sheffield United have got a win a game soon and that's hope for their fans that um, they can do so so before we um, um, go on to the awards then we'll talk about the fixtures on the 1st of January to so New Year's Day which is tomorrow Everton play West Ham at half 5 on BT Man United play Aston Villa at 8pm on Sky and on Saturday the 2nd Spurs lead at half 12 on BT Crystal Palace Sheffield United at 3 on Sky and Brighton v Wolves at half 5 on Sky West Brom v Arsenal, 8 o'clock on BT. Obviously, West Brom looking to bounce back after that um, shocking home loss against Leeds. Then Sunday, three games all on Sky. Burnley, Fulham at 12. Newcastle, Leicester at court pass two. Then probably the biggest game of the weekend, if it goes ahead. Chelsea, Man City at half four. Then one game on Monday. Southampton play Liverpool at 8 o'clock on Sky Sports. And then, as we said last week, there was two games to be rearranged um, from the first first game week that Man United and Man City didn't play. Burnley v Man United being rearranged for Tuesday the 12th of January, court past eight on Sky. And Manchester City v Villa has been um, confirmed on Wednesday the 20th of January um, at quarter past eight live on BT stuff. So Man City Villa and then obviously Aston Villa, Newcastle, Everton, Man City and Tottenham, Fulham have all got to be um, confirmed as well. So that's the Premier League wrapped up for 2020 and as promised um, for the end of the show we'll be going through our um, awards now. So we've got the following awards Premier League Player of the Year World Football Player of the Season Premier League Manager of the Year World Manager of the Year Premier League Player Under 23 World Players Under 23 Signing of 2020 in all of the world Most Impact Player in all of the world World and biggest, also the biggest flop, effectively, which obviously all over the world, and then team of the Premier League and team of the um, of the world of the all different leagues. So we'll start off with um, team of the Premier League. I've gone loyal. Um, I can't really see anyone passing really. Bruno Fernandez at Man United. You, Max? Or well, just player of the Premier League season? Player. Over the year, I gone for Bruno as off well the play- Premier League player of the year. You, Lloyd? Sadly, I've also obviously put Bruno. Yeah, and Alex, no. you've gone for. I have, like, gone for Mo, I've gone for Mo Salah. Why have you gone for Mo Salah? Because he's got that elusive thing called the Premier League title in his back pocket, and he is consistently world class for me over but, the last 12 months. Don't you think, obviously, Bruno Fernandes will only come in, in in February? Look how much, dare I say it, but. If we didn't have Bruno Fernandes, we'd probably be in a situation possibly probably higher than, than Arsenal are in. So don't you think he's been a huge influence to Man United and probably just deserve the Premier League Good Player of the Year? No, I definitely don't. Because when you're talking for me, Premier League, it's all about winning the Premier League. It's not about being great. It's not about being this, that. It's not about stats. It's about getting that thing called a winning medal. 
That's all it's about. When you play as a professional sportsman, all you want is that medal. And that's what Salah's got. And I think, for me, he's been the best player over the last 12 months. He's he's top of the charts again this year for goal scoring. You know, he, he just doesn't stop. And I think the last three seasons, he's been absolutely immense. So, no, Mo Salah for me. Sorry. Disagree with you, if youngsters. Had, if we had to go for a group effort, obviously Bruno Fernandes would win it. Um, we'll... World Football Player of the Season, so this goes all on the world. I've gone from Robert Lewandowski, obviously Poland and Bayern Munich, been absolutely brilliant in the Bundesliga and then the Champions League that um, led him to Champions League glory in, what was it, June, July, no, August now he was. Who have you gone for, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I've gone for Lewandowski as well. He was top scorer in every single competition he played in. Yeah, absolutely. And how old is he? Is he... 30, 31, a bit older, yeah. was he younger? Yeah, back, back there. And so probably got maybe two, three years, probably if he keeps fit, maybe more in him. Alex, who have you gone for? Yeah, the same. Can't, can't, really, you, can't really go against that guy, to be honest. And you, Max? Yeah, Lewandowski. Yeah. Right, next one, um, Premier League Manager of the Year. Now, I had three in mind for this. Um, I had Brendan Rodgers, um, Chris Wilder, based on last season and what he did with Sheffield United, obviously this year, you did it there, definitely nowhere near in the picture. And Jurgen Klopp, I went purely on because he did really well with Liverpool and won them, what, their first league title in 30 years. I went for Jurgen Klopp. You, Alex? I went for Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder. Um, you, Max? Uh, Rolf Hasenhutl. Oh, Good shout. Exactly, really, Jeff. We'll discuss that. And you, Lloyd? Uh, I'm going to go a bit more controversial. I'm going to go for Dean Smith. Dean oh, Smith. good show as well. Yeah. Um, start for you, Max. Then you went for, for King Ralph. Um, obviously, brilliant. Um, he's, what he's done with Southampton this season. Dan, he's got Danny Ings firing that he was um, doing at Burnley, what, a few seasons ago in the Championship when they went out. Um, why have you gone for King Ralph? I mean, it's just the impact that he's had um, on on the squad and on on the Southampton, and I think you know they currently sit quite low in the table after a couple of poor results, but they were doing very well earlier on in the season. Um, he's put, you know, obviously after the nine 0 loss, obviously we have to mention that as soon as that happened, they've been you know immense and they've been very, you know very good. They've been uh, he's imprinted his tactical play style, and uh, no, he's been he's been fantastic. They've won, I think something ludicrous in terms of points this season. I think they may be in the top six of points uh, in this season or, or near near to that. Um, yeah, ever, ever since their 9-0 loss, uh, which is pretty bad. They've been sublime. I think well, what's interesting about all our answers is the four managers probably are the four that you would expect to be challenging for manager of the year. You wouldn't expect Frank Lampard or Oli Gunnar Solskjaer yet or Arteta or whoever. Um, definitely not Pep, the most overrated manager in the world. Um, Lloyd, why did you go for Dean Smith? Uh, I know that Villa didn't really have the best of years last year, but he did something which is really hard to do still, like keeping up in the Prem. He did that with not really the best Villa side. Like, if you exclude Jack Grealish, that team really doesn't look <coughs> at all. And he kept them up, which was a really hard job, and he did that. I know, you look what he's done this season. I know, I know it is the best of 2020. So he's only... Like he's only transformed him really for the past few months, but I think he has done such a good job that he does deserve to be up there. He's he's taken a team which was really hard to keep up, and he's 
taking them to what they are now. Like, you look where they are. They're fifth in the league, but they also have two games in hand, yeah, which agree. can take to one point off top. Uh, he's, they have the most clean sheets in the league. They're scoring loads. They beat the champions 7-2. He's turned this, turned this like, bottom-tier, relegation-threatened team into, well, challenging for Europa League, challenging for even Champions League. You would, you would, this is going to sound, obviously, Alex taking the mick out of this, but I would say Aston Villa on, on New Year's Day is probably the biggest game of our season in terms of, obviously, if we lose it, we'll lose ground on the top. But if Aston Villa win it, as you said, they go on to 29 points and they've got two games in hand, OK? One against Man City, but another winnable game against Newcastle. So I'm not saying Aston Villa will win the, win the game or it'll be... A six pointer effectively, but I think it is definitely both teams' biggest games of the of the season. Maybe Aston Villa with Liverpool, but um, it is crucial. And Alex, finally, why did you go for Chris Wilder? I just think what he did last year was just incredible. All right, admittedly, this year has been an absolute disaster, and it looks like unless something really major happens, they're going to go down. But I thought last year, the way he handled himself, the way he handled the press, the way he handled some of his players, I just thought he was just superb. And, you know, I just think he's an absolute credit to the club. And I hope, I hope when they do go down, if he wants to say that they don't get rid of him, because I think he did such a good job last year. OK, I think it's gone a bit wrong, but you think about the players he used last year. I know you lot watch probably football more than I do, but they were pretty much not household names, none of them. And they were just such a good team to, to you know, to, to get on with it. Why, why do you think they've um, they've dropped off into the relegation battle? Considering before lockdown, they were, um, I think they were just, what, two points outside the Champions League places. Now they've what, only got two points themselves and they've brought in um, Rian Brewster. OK, you won like him because he played for Swansea, but he did very well last year. And they brought in um, a few players as well. Why? Why do you think that they're not performing to the standards they was last year? To be fair, I just don't know. I don't. They've had a bit of bad luck. Um, they're not playing badly, but they're just not. They're not scoring goals. They're not creating, and they are conceding, which they didn't do last year. But yeah, I don't know. And at the moment, you can't really see them getting out of it. To be honest, I, hope they do, I quite like them, but I, you just can't see them getting out of it at the moment. But I don't know what's gone wrong. Really, I'm not not sure. Is it down to them not having a, a goalkeeper like they had in Dean Henson last year? Well, yeah, it's definitely. He was a brilliant keeper. But I think that Ramsdale's done very well for them. I wouldn't say he's done that bad, but it's just um, just a bit difficult, I suppose. I, I don't know. Yeah, as well. The next one is World Manager of the Year. Now, I've stuck with a Bayern Munich topic of Hans Flick. I think um, you might correct me on this. I think he only came in in December last year. And he won um, the the treble um, Champions League, German Cup, and the um, Bundesliga, and he won in the the German Super Cup recently as well. So I think I've gone to Hans Flitsch of Bayern Munich. And you, Alex? Yeah, same. You, you Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got Hansi Flick as well. I think they've lost one game all year. Which is yeah, just did, did they? It was was it Hoffenheim? I think I might yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. That's, that's right. Just do do follow German football a little. And you, Matt? Yeah, Fleck as well. Yeah, I think it's I think a bit harsh on him the other day that Klopp won Manager of the Year on national team vote. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know how he worked. Um, Premier League Young Player of the Year, which is um, under 23s at the start of the season. I went um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, brilliant player, probably. 
the best right back in the world at the minute. You, Lloyd? Um, yeah, I've gone for Trent as well. I, I'd love to go and give it to like a Mason Greenwood, Bukayo Saka, but you, you just can't really look yeah. past Trent. Yeah, maybe Martin, maybe um, I'm going to say Greenwood this, this year because I don't know what's been going on. His head's been turned since that England incident. But if, Mar- if you can keep Martinelli fit, I honestly think Martinelli could be a, a contender when we next do it. I honestly believe that. Um, you, Max? Premier League, right? This is it. This is. Yeah. I thought I'd... Obviously, I think Trent is the obvious one, but I thought I'd change it up a bit and go with uh, Calvert-Lewin. I think he's... I think every time he plays, he's, he's, he's clearly developed a lot this year and, and now he's really a goal machine, I think. Yeah, that's a brilliant shout for, for uh, you there, Max. And you, Alex? Same as Max. I can't go for Calvert-Lewin, but I wasn't sure how old he was. I thought he might have been a bit older. So I had to Google his age. <laughs> Yes, you know, I think, think there's loads of contenders. Tammy Abraham, if he, if he plays more, he could possibly be a, a contender as well. Obviously, he's done um, really well as well. So, you know, plenty of um, players that could challenge next year. I think Martinelli, I think he's a really one to watch and kills me to admit, but I think he probably is a um, brilliant player, actually, considering he plays for Arsenal. Um, uh, the next one is World Under-23 Player of the Year, which is like the Premier League at the start of the season. I've gone for probably one option. Um, you could only go for is Erling Haaland of Norway and Dort- Borussia Dortmund. You, uh, Max? Yeah, I agree with you, Haaland. You, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I've gone for him as well. And you, Alex? Yeah, I have actually, yeah. So it's only yeah. one I knew, really. I don't follow foreign football much, but yeah, he's been pretty good. He has been um, brilliant as well. Um, signing of 2020. Now, you could probably guess which one I've gone for, yeah. Um, I've had to go Bruno Fernandes, what, sporting Lisbon to Man United, 47 million, which is looking like it's turned out to be a bargain. I think his value's probably gone up to about 100 million now, possibly 150. Um, Max, your one? There could be some potential alternatives, but I mean, I don't think I can look past Bruno. <laughs> you, you, Alex? I've gone for Rian Brewster, Sheffield United. Really? No, I'm joking. No, Fernandez, yeah, Fernandez, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knowing, knowing you, I'm probably sorry. Um, so, you, Lloyd? Um, yeah, I've gone for Bruno as well. Uh, I, I did look at someone like Haaland, but it, it does just have to be Bruno. I think it's scary to think that we, I think... We could have signed Haaland as well, but we didn't do it there. It's another story for another day. And the next one, most impact, goes to Bruno Fernandes to me again, Man United. You, Lloyd? Yeah, Bruno again. You, Alex? Yeah, again. <laughs> you, Max? Yeah, it's going to be Bruno again. He's totally transformed Man United, considering how they were before. Yeah, I, I think... I'm not going to... I think... No, I'll say what I'm going to say later. Um, the next one is um, the biggest flop um, in terms of transfers that they bought in this summer. Um, and this this might be a bit controversial. I went between Willian from obviously Chelsea Trash in the summer for free. Um, he had a brilliant first game against Fulham and you'll probably agree with me. Um, Lloyd, he hasn't been performing. And it was a bit of a weird signing really for, um, for you to sign. And then I've gone between Kai Havertz by Leverkusen to Chelsea for what, 71 million. But I think I've gone for Kai Havertz because of the price tag and the quality of player he was at Bayer Leverkusen in the, the Europa League and the Bundesliga and the expectation that 
a lot of people said he's been brilliant for Germany in the Nations League or whatever. Um, so I think I've gone for Kai Havertz. You, Max? I think that, I think Chelsea, I think maybe you could look at Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. I think Kai Havertz is probably, you know, he's very young. Um, and I think, you know, he has, he, last season he was, you know, absolutely excellent. And um, it's tough. I think I'd probably have to say, just because of the nature of Sheffield United at the moment, I'd probably have to go with Ryan Brewster just because that price, I think he is, is young and if they go down to the championship, he could do well. But, you know, for, for, for a team like Sheffield United, 20-something million, I think that could have been invested in, in a kind of play that would keep them up. Yeah, interesting one. You, Lloyd? Uh, I think I think I'm gonna give a team of being uh, just because like you you look at habit he's still only 21 so he, I think he definitely welcome good he's clearly a really good player you look yeah. at Willie I I would say Willie has a worse signing but we did get him for free meanwhile there's been like 50 odd million on team of Vena. Yeah, that was my thing. I think it's Werner 26, 27. Am I right in saying? It's 28. 28. Was he younger? Younger? I think he's a long player. <laughs> Only 25, I don't know. It's and you, and 25, Chris, and you, Alex? Oh, I got for Bruno Fernandes, definitely. No, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Rian Brewster again, yeah. Definitely Rian sticking Rian Brewster this time. You know, that's, that's a very interesting one, considering there have been a... Has he I scored could, from yet? No, I don't uh, think so. No, I don't. <laughs> Possibly you could have said Donny van der Beek. Possibly. Yeah, you could say that. But I also mean... Gareth Bale. Yeah. They come for free. Yeah, potentially, yeah. it was like a loan, so it's kind of cop out to say that. Yeah, but there are a few that have happened, but you know, interesting choices. Now, the next two are, are interesting ones. Um, the team of the Premier League of the year and World Team of the Year. We'll start off with the um, World Team of the Year then first. Um, we'll start off with goalkeepers. Um, first of all, I've gone for Jan or Black, Atletico Madrid, and um, Slovenia, you, Max? Uh, I've gone for Manuel Neuer. Manuel Neuer. He won the championship. I think he was probably a backup option to our black. And you, are you Alex? I haven't done this team, so I'm going to let you guys do because I haven't got the much experience in this football, so I'm going to let you three discuss this one. All right, you, you Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I've gone for Manuel Neuer as well. Neuer. Right, I've gone for defenders. I've gone for Virgil van Dijk, Liverpool and Netherlands, or Holland, whatever. Sergio Ramos, Real Madrid, Spain, Alfonso Davis. Um, probably, I think, the best left-back in the world. Um, for, and he has been for Bayern Munich this season. I think um, he's brilliant Canadian international. And then Trent Alexander-Arnold, the best right-back in the, the world. What for me, what, how many defenders have you got, Lloyd? Yeah, four. Four to three. And your four are? Uh, I've gone for Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk. Uh, I've gone for Alaba then, from Bayern, and then for Robertson. That's, that's, a, that's a really good shout you, Max. I've gone with um, five defenders, but also the kind of wing-backs are kind of midfielders. But I yeah. did this just to try to have as little uh, Liverpool players in the team as possible. Um, I've got uh, <laughs> Robertson, Alaba, van Dijk, and then I've got Kimpembe. Uh, it's kind of a alternate yeah. option and uh, then Joshua Kimmich at right back because he has he did play there in the Champions League and he has played there at times this season yeah we'll, we'll give we'll give you that because I think for Germany he started playing a midfielder role now isn't he um, and possibly becoming that a Bayern Munich but Kempembe possibly McVeigh was that did well last year in the 
um, the Champions League finals in, in Portugal. Possibly a bit shaky. Um, defender, though, did it against us and RB Leipzig as well. So, possibly. Um, a shout midfielders. I've gone for three. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, Man City, Belgium. Joshua Kimmich, I've got him down as a midfielder, actually, in this. Bayern Munich, Germany. And, of course, the main man, Bruno Fernandes, Man United and um, Portugal's second best player. You, um, Lloyd? Uh, I've gone for Kevin De Bruyne, Kimmich and Bruno. Bruno agreed on that one. And you, Max? I've got two. So I've got uh, Bruno Fernandes and Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller over De Bruyne? Yeah, Max has got more <laughs> sense than you two put together. And, and Fernandes and, um, you know, possibly... No, no, Kevin Bruno Fernandez over De Bruyne, possibly. I mean, I think why, why? it's a worse start to the season for. Uh, I mean, I think Bruno over De Bruyne is fairly clear, just because yeah. he's. I think Bruno's done it all year, and obviously Thomas Muller has obviously got the, the Champions League, and he's also done well at the beginning of the season, and especially in the last season as well. Yeah, that's a very good shout. I've gone for three forwards. Um, we'll start off with you, Max. Who have you gone for? I've got three forwards. I went for uh, Lewandowski, uh, Messi and Neymar. And Neymar. Lloyd? Yeah, I've done the same. I've went for Messi, Lewandowski, Neymar. I've gone for Lewandowski, obviously, as we said, brilliant for Bayern Munich um, and has been really consistent for Poland. Messi, the same. Okay, he hasn't been at his best at Barcelona and um, I don't think he really likes playing for Argentina, really. And I think I disagree on the name. I think he's probably in the top five players most overrated in the world at the minute, Neymar. I've gone um, Cristiano Ronaldo, considering his age, what he's done for Juventus. Okay, they didn't really get far in the Champions League to the final, but what he's done for Portugal and um, in the Nations League and, and Juventus, I think, got to stay safe with Ronaldo. But, you know, I probably disagree on, on the Neymar one, but I think fairly accurate teams. Um, I'll tell you what, I think I'd be more I'd be more inclined to go for Zlatan over Ronaldo. Really? Yeah. <laughs> why, would you, why would you say that? Because Zlatan, AC Milan are a team that were kind of in a steep decline ever since, you know, they were so great. Yeah. Well, I would say 10 years ago and they've he's basically, he's gone there, scored a ludicrous amount of goals as a 39-year-old, nearly 40, and now they're first and by quite a long way, and they're looking like they're on the road to win Serie A. So. Is he is he is his contract up at the end of the season, or is he there for another season till he's forty? I think they might have extended it a bit further. Uh, okay. yeah. We'll trust our Italian football eggs a bit on that. Um, the next one then is the Premier League, obviously the final award. Um, we'll start off with goalkeepers. Alex, have you got a goalkeeper for this one? Yes, I have. I've uh, got um, good. I've he's done his homework. I've gone for Allison, sorry. It's the predictable, I know, but uh, I think yeah. he's had a good season. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good shout of Allison and brilliant for Liverpool. I think I was torn between Allison and, and Edison at Man City, but Allison just edged it because he won the Premier League. Uh, you, Lloyd? Uh, I've also gone for Allison, but I, I, I want to give a mention to, to Emmy Martinez, who's been yeah. really solid. But yeah. he, did, he didn't really play until like six months into the year. <laughs> It was interesting what Peter Fox said yesterday that you could have possibly kept him um, and he was, you know, doing well when Elena was out injured. Do you think the form he's in, if you kept him, he would get a number one spot over Leno? 
Uh, well, yeah, yeah, he could do, but I think uh, like both of them wanted the number one. They both wanted to start consistently. So I think I, we definitely made the right decision to sell Martinez because Martinez was consistent for probably 10, 15 games. Even while Leno had been consistent for like two years. So we made the right choice to but I, I'm not really sure which one I would pick now. Yeah, it'd be a very close contest. And you, Max, goalkeeper? Well, um, it's different to you, and it's kind of an alternate option again. And I'm just doing it to kind of make up for the other areas of my team where there's a lot of Liverpool players. So I've gone with uh, Nick Pope. That's a brilliant shout. Obviously, did he win the Golden Glove last year? He did, didn't he? I, th- I, I think he was I think Edison nicked it in the end. Yeah. I think he's one game off. Edison, very close. I think I'd like to give, obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased here, but it was mainly for what he's done with Sheffield United. I'd like to give a good shout out to Dean Henson as well. I think Alex mentioned how brilliant they were last year, um, and I think he was a major part. Okay, he made that mistake at home to Liverpool, but probably save of the year what he did away at Anfield. So, a good mention to, to Dean Henson. I've gone for three defenders then. Um, but we'll start off with you, Matt. Who's your three defender? Who's your defender? I've got four. So I've got, it's kind oh. of uh, disgusting to, to say this, but I've got uh, Andy Robertson, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Fabinho and Trent. Trent. Oh. Um, you, you, Lloyd? Nah, I've gone for Trent, van Dijk, Robson, and I, I've gone for James Tarkowski as my other centre-back. A really good shout again. Brilliant season last year and done all right this year. Alex? I've gone for Alexander Arnold, Robertson, Van Dyke, and I've gone for John Egan, Sheffield United. John, John Egan? Yeah, I was, was going to say possibly George Baldock over Egan if you were to go for Sheffield United one, but I suppose Egan um, is a good shout. I've gone for three at the back. I've gone for Van Dyke, Trent Alexander Arnold, and Andy Robertson. A brilliant um, three there. I've gone for four in midfield. Um, I've gone, again, only one choice. Bruno Fernandes of Man United, Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Greenlish and Saudi Amane. I've got him down as a midfielder in this. Um, you, Lloyd? Uh, I've got three midfielders. and I've gone Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Jordan Henson and Bruno. Oh, I've got Jordan Henson, possibly a shout. Um, you, Alex? I've gone for four. I've gone for Bruno, Son, Grealish. And Ward Prowse. Son and oh, Son, possibly that's what he's done this in Ward Prowse. Interesting one. Um, Max and yours? Yeah, three, the same as Lloyd uh, De Bruyne, Bruno, and Henderson. I think there is um, plenty you could have gone for. David Silver, I'm surprised you didn't go for him, Alex. Obviously, he was there last year. I did sort of forget about him, so I sort of didn't want to change it, but I would have gone for him, so I think he's a, he's possibly one of the best midfielders I've ever seen in the Premier League. Yeah, um, so possibly there. I've gone for three forwards. Um, we'll start off with you, Max. Who's your, who's your forward? Two, three, whatever. Yeah, three. Uh, I've got Jamie Vardy, uh, Jack Grealish and Mohamed Salah. Grealish, yeah. Salah's good chap. Um, You, Lloyd? Uh, I've gone for the same. I've also gone for Mo Salah, Jamie Vardy, Jack Greenish. Um, I've gone, I'll let Alex go first, actually. Alex? I've gone for Harry Kane and Mo Salah. Just, just the two. This is yeah. going to sound controversial. Jamie Vardy, Leicester, Harry Kane, and he's had brilliant season, Danny Ings. I think what, what he's done at Southampton last year was brilliant obviously the mid-table 
I think it was between Mane and Salah for me, and I think Mane had a way better season than Salah. I think Salah, okay, he scored loads of goals last year. I think at his time at Liverpool, that was probably his worst season, um, which is still incredible. But we missed out Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Aubameyang, goal, you know, Sterling, Raul Jimenez, Callum Wilson could have all um, possibly got in there. So it was um, interesting um, starting lineup, but Bruno Fernandes, obviously the best player in the Premier League at the minute. Um, probably um, stick on that one but obviously that's the end um, of the St Martin's football show for 2020 and the last show on um, St Martin's radio as well this year um, obviously massive thank you to Lloyd Maxson um, Alex for being brilliant co-hosts as well and the other shows that have gone on um, Mr Lewis and doing his um, learning podcast you've got reading shows as well with Miss Henry Miss Gibbard and the the history as well. I think I got everyone a, um, a mention in there. I think the biggest mention um, to the man that set all this up, um, been really busy recently, that's why I couldn't come on, is Mr Lopez. Obviously, he started off the radio. He gave me the opportunity to, to present with Lloyd and Max and Alex the, the football show. Um, so I think a massive thank you and well done to, to Mr Lopez and, and what he's done as well this year. So hopefully we can um, continue into to 2021 but that's it as I said then we'll be back just what was it next week now after the um, New Year's Day games and, and that game week um, as well obviously goes from the 1st of January to the 4th of January as well um, before the FA Cup I think it's the last games before the FA Cup um, games as well so um, thank you for listening in 2020 have a brilliant New Year the best you can and hopefully 2021 is a much better year so thank you for listening and goodbye. Where it began I can't begin to knowing But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Hands Touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you
touching one.